Welcome, and thanks for joining us for NFCC's Guide Through the Seasons of Mental Wellness. I am your host, Tracy Lehman, daughter, wife, mother, licensed marriage and family therapist, and outreach counselor for the Nick Finnegan Counseling Center here in Houston, Texas. We are here to offer a compass for navigating the development of self, partnerships, parenting, and the general network of connections you build across a lifetime. We are here discussing the stage of life where you may be wanting to dip your toes into dating or re-enter the dating world, or maybe you have been in the trenches of the dating world for some time and are just seeking some guidance. Today's dating world always poses new challenges with the birth of online dating, new apps, new dating rules, and now a pandemic. We cover this and more in today's episode, The Self, Dating, and the Road to Partnerships. Before we dive in, I want to tell you a little bit about today's guest, April Henderson. April is a licensed professional counselor with a bachelor's degree in psychology and sociology and a master's in marriage and family counseling. Although her original plan was to study music and become an opera singer, April knows that counseling was the right career choice. After several years of experience working with many different clients, April found her niche working with women who experience anxiety, trauma, or who have been in unhealthy relationships, and helps her clients using EMDR. April is a native Houstonian and has been a part of the Nick Finnegan Counseling Center team for over seven years. She and her husband, Matt, have two adorable preschool-age children and a pretty unique dating story that April will share with us in just a moment. April, welcome, and thank you for being with us today. Would you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your experience with dating? Yeah. So like you said, I've been a therapist at NFCC for seven years. Prior to coming here, I was at another counseling center in Houston. My background was actually, uh, it started out working with children and teens, focusing on trauma, brain development, and attachment. But as I went through my career, I actually found that I really enjoyed working with young women. I think as a adult woman myself, it was just kind of a natural connection working with that client population, focusing on things, you know, like you said, as anxiety, trauma, depression, uh, people that struggle with relationships, and then using primarily EMDR, which is a trauma technique to help those clients. As far as my uh, dating uh, history goes, I had to chuckle when you sent me that question um, because it's it's not a ton. <laughs> I, um, I dated two other men before I met my husband, and I joke with my clients that I'm an eHarmony dinosaur. Back in the stone age of dating, um, when eHarmony was one of the main uh, platforms for dating. Even though I would say that that, you know, dating life isn't extensive, you know, prior to meeting my husband, I tell my clients and I feel myself that every experience that we have with dating and relationships can teach us something. So even if that relationship ends, and even if that ending was painful, we can still learn something from that relationship and use that knowledge as we move forward to find healthier or better or long-term relationships or marriage. One of the most important things that we know, but So much emphasis is usually on romance or finding a man or finding a good woman. We tend to lose focus on the value of knowing yourself before committing to someone else. 
why is it important to know your own value strengths and growth areas and accepting those things about yourself before entering a serious relationship? And how do you work on knowing who you are and determine what traits would be helpful and unhelpful in a partner based on that knowledge? Sorry, I know I just packed a lot for you to answer and speak to, but it all kind of goes to the same place. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally following you. So yeah, so I think... Yes, you're exactly correct that for forever, um, people who are single have felt that pressure to get married. Um, And of course, it started out, you know, initially not to give like the history of relationships or something. But it started out initially as like survival, like, hey, you got to get married, like we want to grow our tribe, you know, our family, like you got to get married young, have babies, you know, whatever, all the history of that. Now our society is a lot different, but the pressure is still there from family members, you know, and well-meaning moms and grandmas and all of that, you know, they want to see you happy. Um, They want to see you kind of in this family. And part of it is that kind of, you know, especially nowadays and how we, um, you know, have our careers and everything, kind of the incorrect notion that you need to be in a relationship to be happy, to be fulfilled. And really, that's just not true anymore. But on the same end, having a relationship and a healthy relationship is incredibly fulfilling. And we're made and designed to be communal creatures in relationship with one another. So of course, that desire is still naturally and rightfully there. That being said, like you said, it is important that we find ourselves and we know who we are before we get into serious long term relationships or marriage. You need to know kind of the basics, you know, who you are, what you like, what you're passionate about, kind of starting from there. But then more importantly, you need to know your boundaries, your values, the things that are going to be red flags um, for you in a relationship. If you don't know those things, you might kind of find yourself, you know, falling into relationships and one losing yourself in that relationship or getting into situations where you realize, you know, wait, I don't like who this person is. I don't like what they're doing. You know, this is unacceptable to me. And that can cause a lot of heartache in the long run. So the more you can know about yourself and what you want, the better off you'll be when you begin a relationship with someone. Long-term relationships and marriages, as you and I both know, all of our gritty nastiness comes out at some point. Like we get to see the best of each other, but we also get to see the real not so great of each other. And so knowing yourself and accepting yourself is so important. So thank you for speaking to that. Another story I hear a lot is of people who just kind of fell into a serious relationship that they were never really interested in and not knowing how to get out of it or end up engaging in a lot of behaviors they regret, i.e. being cruel to that person, um, cheating on someone, or even just creating their own depression by letting these relationships to continue for so long. How can people determine what they really want going into these relationships and communicate that effectively in their dating journey? What are some early signs that you may be moving into a serious relationship that you don't want, i.e. moods and thoughts? Just like we were saying, it's important to know yourself, but then to actually take the time to figure out if you have the energy and the time and the willpower to actually want a relationship with somebody else, especially in the world of online dating and how things are now. You know, I hear so many stories from my friends or clients where they're just heartbroken because they put all this time and energy into dating someone 
And that person really didn't want a relationship. They weren't ready for it. They didn't have time for it. So take some time to be intentional and thoughtful about your own life and what you want. And even just that first step of, do I actually have time for this? And then beyond that, kind of, again, knowing, you know, what you want out of this relationship? Do you even want a relationship? You know, do you want to go into it just to meet somebody and have some fun? Are you just kind of putting your feelers out there and taking things how it goes? Or is it, you know, the intention more of, no, I want a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or I'm looking to find my future spouse. And so it's really important to know that. But the biggest takeaway I can really just say as loud as I can is communication. You have to communicate with the other person. It is unkind um, to keep your um, desires and your wants and your intentions to yourself. And it can be hard to communicate. We're all not great at saying our feelings. I mean, I'm an Enneagram nine. I'm all in my feelings all the time, (laughs) right? Brains, they're just always living right on the outside. But I know not everyone is like that. Mm -hmm. But taking time to actually know how you feel and communicate, especially with those intentions and what you want, it's good for you, but it's also what's best for that other person as well. My husband is probably the most successful relationship I've ever been in. One of the reasons for that is from the beginning, I communicated with him. Yeah, that's what we need to do. You know, before that, I remember I'm an Enneagram too. So I am very much like, I don't, I want people to like me. I want to serve people. I want to have relationships. And so I remember not being sure there were times where I would be dating several people at one time. And not being sure what I wanted or who I wanted and not really fully communicating that I was, you know, openly dating. And so there were people that I mistreated at that time that were over-investing in a relationship that I wasn't sure about. But I didn't want to cut it off and I didn't want to communicate that out of fear of losing that person before I knew if I wanted that person. And you know what? I ended up losing them anyways. It just didn't work. It wasn't a healthy way of approaching things. So yes, that communication is so important. Yes. And if I can just speak to that a little more, I think you're exactly right. You know, again, when we're not honest with people, we're not really protecting them or doing what's best for them and ourselves. And I hear that a lot sometimes is that people are afraid to be honest because they don't want to hurt the other person. But secrecy never helped anybody. You know, it doesn't, again, it doesn't benefit you or the other person. And I think if you do find yourself pushing the other person away, being mean to them, certainly if you're, you know, cheating on them, you know, they, you know, nobody's agreed to an open relationship, you know, that's a sign that you don't want to be in that relationship. And you do yourself a favor and that other person a favor. If you say, look, you know, I just don't think this is working out. You know, I wish you the best you know, have a great life. And it doesn't have to be overly complicated, you know. Um, But yeah, I'm a big believer in communication and listening to your heart, but also looking at your actions. And if your actions are, again, showing that cruelty, cheating, all of those things, pushing away, those actions are telling you, you don't want this. Can you talk a little bit about ghosting and how to not ghost and maybe how to be just real people with each other? (laughs) Yes. And I just do have to laugh because again, I started dating my husband nine years ago. So I was like, yeah, ghosting was not a cool like buzzword (laughs) back then. But the concept of it is, I I think, kind of timeless in a sense. It's just now we have kind of a fun word for it, right? Um, Yes. Again, I'm a big believer in being honest, not playing games and communicating. 
I don't know all of the reasons behind why a person would ghost. I guess let me say this first. If someone's abusing you or being cruel to you, mistreating you, of course, yes, run. Get out of that situation as fast as you can. I want you to be safe. But if it's just a situation as to, you know, you don't really like this person and you don't want to date them anymore, it's the mature thing and the kind thing to do to let them know that. And it's uncomfortable. But relationships are uncomfortable. And that was the biggest thing that kind of stuck out to me when I looked at what we'd be talking about today is that relationships are uncomfortable, whether you have to end it or stay in one, you're not going to avoid discomfort if you're in a relationship with another person. So it's kind of just, you know, swallowing your pride, biting the bullet and taking time to be honest with somebody when things aren't working and giving that closure Um, Again, working with clients, when they don't have that closure, it's so painful and it can be traumatic. Mm -hmm. And I know no one really wants to be responsible for someone else needing to go to therapy, you know, (laughs) or being hurt um, because they didn't take the time to be honest and upfront with whomever they're dating. Yes. And I want to add a disclaimer onto that, that if somebody is not getting your hints and you are trying to ghost them and they are still talking to you, they're not crazy they're not dramatic. They're not obsessed with you. They just don't know what you're not telling them, right? <laughs> yes. I'm giving you a big head nod over here. Exactly. Yes. Again, like I cannot stress enough the importance of honest communication. There are so many books out there that talk about communication. Lots of Google searching can give you ideas like, please, please, please just tell it to someone straight, you know, um, again, I just, I really don't like games when it comes to dating relationships. So pulling back, not texting as much, like not showing up for plans, whatever it may be, you know, those are all things that show you. Yeah, I really don't like this person. I don't want to go any further. So just a simple phone call or whatever it can be, you know, I know text to end a relationship is not ideal at all, but just something that says, you know, thank you for your time. I'm so sorry. I wish you the best, you know, Mm -hmm. don't, don't make it more dramatic or more painful than it needs to be for you or that other person. Yeah. You're just not feeling it and that's okay. It's okay to not, it might hurt that person. But they're going to eventually move on and find somebody that is feeling it with them. And so will you. Yes. But give them that information. Because honestly, and I'm going to go back to this again and not trying to harp on any points or anything. But I I do have a friend who was dating somebody and they like disappeared. Like she thought she was being ghosted. They But they had lost their phone. Right. So days went by and they just started dating. They didn't have each other's numbers or any other type of contact you know, mechanism. And, you know, but they're still dating today. And so how are you supposed to read those signals? Do How do, how does that person know what's happening? You could have lost your phone. You could be in jail. You could be in the hospital. There's a lot of anxiety when someone just stops engaging with you when they've been engaging with you all along. There's such an interesting history of games because I'm, I'm watching Downton Abbey. Did you ever watch the show? I have not watched it yet. Okay. No. So it's I watched, list. Yeah. I watched Bridgerton and I realized oh, I never, yes. and I usually am not, I cannot follow historical pieces like this, but Bridgerton drew me to watch Downton Abbey. And there's just so much about this playing games, this, because, you know, you had a dowry, you were going to find a husband. That's how we continued our legacies. That's not just survival as far as having kids, but that's how we passed money along through our family lines and blood and 
you know, but it's so much about the system we set up was all about games and how you flirted and how you were careful in this way. And there were just all these little not being real things. And in all these societies that have led us and we've progressed through it, but that's where it comes from. And so it's not healthy. It's not good. It's not it doesn't show equality. It doesn't, it doesn't provide health in relationships. So let's move away from that a little bit. Yes. Amen to that. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I would agree again, kind of back onto my point about avoiding discomfort, you know, relationships in their nature of, of dating someone, you know, trying to find a spouse, whatever it is, there is a lot of vulnerability and risk with that. Most definitely a hundred percent. And so it is hard, you know, you're not going to show up on the first date and be like, I think I'm falling in love with you. But funny enough, after my second date, my husband did say that to me. He may not admit it now, but I remember. <laughs> and you know, it turned out well, I guess, you know, in the long shot, right? And so, but again, it's, it's acknowledging, yes, there is vulnerability. There's a chance of getting hurt when you're honest with someone or the chance of discomfort and some squirminess when you say like, yeah, no, you're not the one for me. Um, but cut out the drama and just be honest in the appropriate time. Again, I'm not advocating for telling someone you love them after the second date. <laughs> Give it some time. Um, but yeah, just be real. That's the easiest way to say be it. Be real. Along similar lines, if you are looking for a life or long-term partner, what red flag should you be on the lookout for? How can you recognize when it's time to end things? Also, what are the early warning signs that a person you are, you are around may be abusive or narcissistic? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm going to back it up way far back and say, you know, first, I want you to notice how you feel around that other person. And that was a big indicator uh, for myself when I was dating. When I was dating uh, the other people before I met my husband, I did not feel comfortable around them. You know, I found myself like, this sounds so elementary, but like not wanting to hold their hand, like not fully opening up. I was kind of tense. I met my husband and I told him it literally felt like home. It just clicked. I was comfortable with him. I was relaxed. So pay attention to those early signs when you're dating someone. Do you feel happy when you're around them? Do you feel at ease? Now, of course, there's natural discomfort, you know, and, you know, in the beginning, you know, stages of dating, but how does your body feel and what are your emotions like in the beginning? Um, as far as those warning signs, of course, the biggest one is always looking for abuse and not just physical abuse, but emotional abuse, psychological abuse. Is that person putting you down? Are they being rude to you? Are they being uh, manipulative, um, gaslighting you, you know, making you feel like you're crazy? Like, hey, you just said that and that hurt my feelings. Whatever. You're being a baby. Get over it. You know, all of those things, please run as fast as you can, <laughs> you know, because again, long-term, how is that going to work out in your life? And I encourage, you know, the clients that I work with who are single, you know, when we're talking about those things or working on those things as part of their therapy goals, you know, thinking, do I want to have a baby with this person? Do I want to be married to them? Do I want their family in my life? Like, not just thinking about the here and now of how they treat you, but what is that going to look like down the road when you build a family with this person, when you share finances with this person, car loans with this person, you know? Um, so you definitely do not want someone who's abusive, who's lying, who's keeping secrets from you, um, people that are cheating on you, um, you know, and again, you know, doing it multiple times and then coming back and saying, you know, no, I love you. Let's make it work. It's having that self-worth knowing that you are worthy of love 
and goodness and kindness and safety. Um, and that can be hard for people who didn't have that in their past or who have trauma. It can be hard to believe that you are worthy enough of a healthy relationship, but you really are. Everyone is worthy of a good and healthy relationship. And so if you're not in one, if you're dating someone who is hurting you, don't let the fear of being alone keep you in that discomfort or that pain or that abuse. It's better to be safe and single than with someone who is hurting you. Yeah, I agree. And I think that goes back so much to our first point of knowing yourself, practicing journaling, practicing mindfulness, doing things that allow you to check in with yourself. Because I think especially with truly abusive, manipulative people, they are really charismatic. There's a reason that there's a whole bad boy thing and being attracted to the bad boys in shows and books because those type of personalities do tend to bring with them a lot of passion, a lot of emotional heat. And you can get lost in the lust of it and end up in a place you really don't want to be. Also, if you are, somebody might not be unhealthy, but the relationship dynamics can cause somebody to be unhealthy. And not to overspeak, and I'm, I want you to speak about this as well, but something that happened for me is I was in a long-term relationship that was really toxic. And if you looked at it from either side, you could say one of us was abusive because I was because his lifestyle and my lifestyle were very different and the way we viewed the world and our experience were very different, which led me to be super insecure and anxious and engage in a lot of trying to control behaviors, a lot of emotional outbursts and manipulative behaviors and led him to then be dishonest and do things you know, that were hurtful and painful. And so I feel like that can also happen. So again, that being, going back to what you said at the beginning, knowing yourself being able to recognize how you're feeling. Because if I had recognized in that time period, if I had slowed down to think, because there was a lot of passion there, but if I had slowed down to think, I feel really scared in this relationship. I feel a need to be on top of this person all the time because I do not trust them. If I had stopped to think about that, I don't know that I would have continued that relationship as long as I did. And so again, I think that's an important note also that we can create abuse and toxicity, even if on our own, we aren't that type of person. Yes, and that's a really good point. The dynamic and the chemistry in a relationship is gonna be unique amongst two people. And so both of you individually could be great people, you know, especially I think when people are maybe set up by friends or family, you know, and on paper, it looks like, oh, you two would be the perfect match. Like you're so in common, so much alike. Your families love each other, you know, whatever those things are. But if the chemistry is not working, and again, if there's this constant discord or toxicity, you know, lying, manipulation, you know, over being over controlling, you know, that can be a sign that just things aren't working. And this is kind of a silly analogy, but I think of it kind of dating kind of like you're trying on shoes, right? Like you could go to the store. I have very big feet because I'm tall, but I can go to the, so the store and look for a, a size, you know, 10 shoe. But every size 10 or whatever size shoe you wear is going to fit differently. It doesn't mean it's a bad shoe. It just doesn't fit well. And so I'm not saying that people are shoes, but <laughs> using that analogy as, you know, that could be a perfectly great shoe designer, really pretty. Hey, it's even on sale. You know, whatever you think, oh, this is a great shoe. But then you put it on, you're like, oh, this is horrible. I'm so uncomfortable. Like it gives mm -hmm. me a blister. I can't walk more than two feet in it, you know, being uncomfortable. And, and and so it's realizing, you know, like we can't force a relationship to work. And so if we're mindful, if we're taking time to recognize our feelings, our behaviors, our actions, and seeing it doesn't work, 
Don't let that fear keep you in that unhealthy relationship dynamic. Find a way to end things and move on. Maybe take some time to kind of heal yourself and then you'll be ready for, you know, the next person that comes along. Yeah. Exactly. I like the shoe metaphor, even though, yes, we're not shoes, but they're shoes you can feel really passionate about and know that, or maybe even not notice they're uncomfortable in the beginning, but then have that blister and need to get that callus, you know, and then there's shoes that'll just never work and you'll never wear them. So exactly. I think that's a pretty, a pretty perfect metaphor. And then there's the shoes we wear every day until like the sole falls off and there's holes in him. So hopefully that's our husband. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, husband. <laughs> yeah, I think I can only take the shoe analogy so far. But yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't, it doesn't work for forever. But yes, yeah, yeah. just knowing that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a fault of the other person if their relationship doesn't work. It doesn't mean they're a great, you know, not a great person. They're just not great for you. Absolutely. And as soon as the you know, the sooner you can find that out, the better. Yes. Yeah. So we all have, like we're just talking about, our own past experiences that color our choices and how we relate to others and our own emotional triggers. How can we recognize when something from our past is negatively impacting our relationship and what can we do about it? That's a great question. Yes, I think about this kind of through the lens of trauma. So if you're in a relationship and you find yourself getting triggered, um, you know, maybe the way the person looks at you or talks to you causes you to have a big emotional reaction. So suddenly you feel really anxious or unsafe or infuriated, and there's not kind of a reason for it. That's certainly something to pay attention to. Working with clients who have trauma, you know, you know, even if they have, you know, kind of maybe they have sexual trauma, they've been abused, um, and they might see that in their relationships when they're being intimate and certain things are hard for them or scary. You know, those are things to watch out for. And again, if you are getting triggered, if you're having flashbacks, if you're not feeling safe, and the situation itself is not one where it would kind of maybe make sense to feel unsafe, that's a sign that, okay, this trauma, these things that have happened to me are definitely impacting this relationship. And it's time for me to kind of take a step back and work on that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you don't have huge trauma, but you've had some bad experiences in the past. So it's just paying attention to that. Um, you know, maybe you've been cheated on in the past, you know, and then in your next relationship, you're constantly looking over your shoulder, or you know, sneaking into that person's phone to see who they're texting, you know, all of that, those secrecy, over controlling, lots of anxiety. Again, those are signs of, okay, something's not right. But it, taking that time to be intentional, self-reflective and realize like, oh, it's but it's kind of I'm the root of all this, you know, and that can be hard because we're not constantly tuned into our body and our emotions and how everything's connected. But if you if you find yourself again going back to I'm not happy, I feel insecure, I feel anxious, I don't trust this person, take some time to be reflective and figure out what's going on and what's the reason for that. And if those past experiences really are negatively impacting the relationships you're in now, if you're able to, please take time to work on that in therapy or other ways, because the healthier you are, the better your relationships in the future will be. Yes, I was about to say before you did, what a perfect plug for therapy. <laughs> you know, we could almost We're name the biased. theme. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but we could almost name the theme of this episode so far, dating, know thine self. Yes. I don't even know what that quote's from, probably Shakespeare. And, <laughs> and it's just so true. And going to a therapist really is a place where you can really explore yourself and they can help you say, well, did you take this into account? Or, well, I noticed this and maybe help you put pieces together that you aren't able to in a way that's less painful than maybe it would be on your own. So yes, a plug for therapy. 
Yes. And I will just add this. So sometimes we maybe aren't able to go to therapy, but we find ourselves, of course, naturally talking to friends, talking to family. I do just want to put in kind of a caveat of be careful who you're going to when you're kind of seeking advice about your relationship. You know, you want to look for the friends or the family members that are going to give you good, you know, solid healthy advice. You know, not the ones that are going to say, well, post a picture with you and your ex on Instagram to make them jealous or don't return their phone calls for three days. Again, that's games, manipulation, not being honest. Those are things that you want to stay away from if you want to have a healthy relationship. So yes, of course, go to therapy if you're noticing you have past trauma or other things that are getting in the way. But also be mindful of when you have questions about your relationship, who are you going to for that advice, making sure that person is a healthy person that's going to give you some sound information. Right. Probably not the best idea to go to somebody who has had a lot of toxic relationships and continues to make a lot of toxic choices to ask about how to have a healthy relationship. Exactly. Yes, yes. And unfortunately, you know, we hear that sometimes, you know, with clients of, you know, oh, well, I keep going to this friend and she's telling me to do this. And I'm like, well, you know, not trying to judge, but what is that friend doing? You know, is that kind of how you want your relationships to be? You know, um, they can be your friend, but you know, maybe they're just not always the greatest life coach or relationship yeah, coach. We all have our strengths offer. Yes, exactly. She might be, she or he might be great with some other piece of advice, but relationships may not be their area of expertise. Yes, yes. Right? Know that. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I feel like this past year has been pretty traumatic and pretty triggering and just a roller coaster with a pandemic and everything else going on and virtual dating already being what it is, taking it to the next level of this is all you have now because you are so isolated from being able to go out to restaurants, all those kinds of things. And so how do we navigate this world? How do we date in this world? And how do we maintain our mental health while trying to find a partner in a pandemic? Historically, yes, you're right, Tracy, this has been a really hard year, everything with COVID has made things, you know, more challenging and more difficult. And online dating and dating in general, which was already hard, now has that extra layer of I have to protect my health um, on top of it. Um, And so it's it's definitely tricky. It's a whole new kind of way to interact with people. Yeah, and what I've heard, because I put out some feelers, because obviously I'm not in the current dating world. I just, as you do, talk to people who are in the current dating world and help them navigate it. And something that comes up a lot is that relationships seem to be moving a lot faster with the pandemic because it's so isolating, because the things that you're doing are so much more intimate. You're not going out. You're not in a social group anymore. And so how to kind of take a pulse on that and know when it's like time to take a pause? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. And I I think, you know, it's good to know from the get go, you know, before you start what your boundaries are, what you're comfortable with, and whether that's just, hey, I'm going to meet this person at a restaurant, and I prefer to sit outside versus inside, or I'm going to meet them at a park. So it's good to know what your comfort level is when it comes to COVID and protecting your own health. And communicating that to the other person, you know, hey, I don't want to go to your apartment for the second date. I wouldn't have done that pre-COVID. I don't feel comfortable with that now during COVID. Um, But again, yes, that being said, because our options are so limited, sometimes people can jump to those next steps a little faster. 
And it's just, again, that communication, checking in with, your, with yourself and making sure that the decisions you're making feel safe and feel healthy for you. Other situations that we have to do to connect with people, Zoom, dates at a park, you know, meeting family members via Zoom. It's not ideal. This is not an ideal situation to, uh, you know, meet a new person and start a relationship. No, find creative ways to kind of work around it again, so that you feel comfortable, you feel safe, uh, you're being mindful of your health in the process. And then if you do find yourself jumping into a relationship, maybe spending more time with them than you usually would, or hanging out at their house more than you usually would, and you know, the relationship's not working, or it doesn't feel good anymore. Again, like we've said this whole time, just communicate, you know, hopefully a person that's interested in you that respects your boundaries will be okay with that and can either take a step back. Or if you do have to end things, you know, hopefully that other person will be gracious about it. And you know, and you can move on. So how do we what skills would be helpful in navigating that in a relationship? That's great. Yeah. So it is important still, of course, even during the pandemic to be mindful of your other social relationships. So your friends, your family, and in any new relationship, especially when you like the other person and they like you, it's really fun to spend time with them. It's exciting. You know, you get that energy boost, you know, all those good hormones are flowing, you know, it's like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I want this all the time. And it's great. And it's good. But you do still have commitments and relationships with other people. And so it's important to still feed into those other relationships. And again, I think that's where you do have to be creative. If you want the other person to meet friends, you know, how do you do that? Do you go to a park? Do you do like a zoom happy hour, you know, how do you kind of get creative and find ways for them to be in your social life as well, but in a way that feels safe. And again, when we can't do as many social things, and it's like, well, I guess I can just, you know, hang out again with that person I'm dating, you know, that seems fun. We don't want to rush too much into spending all of our time with that person you know, for an extended amount of time, you know, because I do see that with clients that, you know, oh, I've spent so much time with this person. And, you know, my other relationships are strained, or I have moved too fast in it. And now, you know, they don't want to date me anymore. And I feel heartbroken. Mm -hmm. So still kind of nurturing those other relationships, those other work commitments, having time to yourself. And that's tricky. And I don't know if anyone does that 100% right in the beginning of a relationship. But again, just making sure that you're holding yourself accountable to, am I still, you know, logging into work on time? You know, am I focusing at work instead of just texting this other person? You know, all those things. Yeah. And noting if you're snapping at each other more, do you need to set a boundary there? Do you need to ask for personal time and be willing to communicate that? Again, that's one of those uncomfortable conversations. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Too much with time with anybody is is never a good thing in the long <laughs> run, you know, and I, I think families all across the world, you know, people that live with roommates or whatever, have seen that now that you've been, you know, having to quarantine so much more, you know, if you're spending all your time with this person, even if you like it, or a lot of time with this person, even though you like them, like, eventually, that's going to get old, you know, and it's just going to be like, oh, okay, I need my space. And it doesn't mean, again, that you don't like that person. But you know, you want to be at home, you want to have some quiet, you watch your own show and your, you know, favorite grungy pajamas, <laughs> like, yes. you know, have Having, having space, um, you know, having boundaries, trying to keep things balanced socially is important. Along those same lines, let's talk about conflict. I know lots of people who have thought any sign of conflict was a signal to cut and run. Like, oh my gosh, 
this is a fight. I've never experienced a fight because I've never allowed myself to experience a fight before. Time to go. Not dealing with this. How can we know the difference between a normal healthy conflict? Because as therapists, you and I know that if there is no conflict, that's a much bigger warning sign than the presence of conflict. So how do we tell the difference between that healthy conflict that we want to see and problematic conflict? And how do we navigate conflict in a healthy way, i.e. communication skills? And how do you know when it's time to take that next step in the relationship? Yes. So you know, in the beginning stages, of course, when you really like that person, you're getting along, you're working really hard to impress them. Yeah, there may not be a lot of conflict. But in any relationship, uh, long term, especially in marriage, you're gonna have conflict, Mm -hmm. it's gonna happen. And so it's not a matter of, you know, if you have conflict, but when and how to have conflict in a healthy way. You know, you're going to disagree with somebody that's going to happen. And so that in and of itself is not, like you said, a sign to kind of end the relationship because you had a fight about where you're going to go to dinner that night or how you want to spend your time on the weekend. It's a disagreement, you know, but it's a matter of how you have that conflict. Um, kind of speaking to how you have healthy communication. I really love the book, even for single people. I think it's a, a great book to read, kind of. Uh, just to have that knowledge. Um, John Gottman, who's a world-renowned marriage researcher, writes a great book, Seven Principles for Making a Marriage Work. Forgive me if I missed a word there. But it talks about kind of those warning signs for, you know, what in the book he talks about warning signs for, you know, marriages that end in divorce. Mm -hmm. But still, I think anyone can take that information and know like, oh, I'm I'm stonewalling or I'm calling names or, you know. Using contempt. Yes, exactly. Those are unhealthy communication patterns that people use. And you want to avoid that in a dating relationship too. And so when you have conflict, taking the time to kind of pause, actually listen to the other person Mm -hmm. and say, okay, I hear you saying that you don't want to go to my mom's this weekend because we've seen her three weekends in a row, you'd rather do something else. Is that right? You know, Mm -hmm. doing that reflective listening um, to make sure you're actually understanding what the person is saying instead of just in your head sitting there boiling, thinking, I can't wait to tell you this, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not actually communicating with the other person. You're just kind of like barking and fighting on top of one another. And so when you have conflict, it's good to have the skills to know how to have that conflict in a way that's actually going to reach a resolution and not permanently damage your relationship in the long run. Unhealthy communication and unhealthy conflict, of course, is when there's lots of name calling. So you're cursing at the other person, you're berating them, you're putting them down. When you're in a relationship with someone long enough, you know their weaknesses and their flaws. So using that against them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, really your goal is to wound the other person because you feel wounded. Mm -hmm. Um, And the danger of that is that you're hurting your relationship so significantly And it's really hard to come back from that, you know, and the initial fight, you know, we hear this all the time, you know, being married ourselves, talking to people who are married, you know, those initial fights are normally over something so silly, you know, like you bought the, the, yes, yeah, you (laughs) bought the wrong laundry detergent or you spent this money and I thought we were going to save it, you know, but because you've used unhealthy ways to communicate your feelings, you've really wounded your relationship. You've taken it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. And those are really good things to talk about when you're dating someone of, you know, 
these are the things that my husband and I do not have a perfect marriage. So please don't hear me saying that. But, you know, we talked about those things in our relationship. Okay, when we fight, these are the rules. We're not going to curse at each other. We're certainly not going to throw things at each other or hit each other. Nothing abusive like that. Saying it out loud, communicating that clearly. So, you know, when you get fight in the, you know, fighting in the heat of the moment, I may want to curse at this person. <laughs> you know, I may want to call them a name, but we've agreed not to do this. So we need to you know, mm -hmm. not do that. And if you do find yourself so heated, you know, I tell my clients, take a time out. Yes. You know, and marriage counselors just, you know, swear by this because it's really important. If you cannot keep your cool with a person when you're having conflict, you're not going to resolve anything in no. that moment. So just say, you know what? I'm feeling really triggered. I'm really angry. I don't feel safe with you right now. Whatever it is, can we take a break from this? Let me go take a walk. Let me come back to this. Let's talk about this again tonight. Um, you know, later today, set a time, whatever it is, set a time and place. We're going to talk about this later, not bury it, not forget about it, not just get over it. And then, you know, two weeks later, it comes up again, because you never resolved it, not that. But you want to take that time to cool down so that you're not wounding the other person. And everybody can stay safe. Yes, excellent information after a conflict where we may have caused some damage. Yes. And that's so important that you can't just leave it there and not say anything about it. You do have to try to repair. And so it's being honest with yourself. I think even initially is like, why did I get so mad? Why did I get so triggered? Having a connection to that and being able to communicate that with the other person, but going to them, saying you're sorry, you know, talking about how you were feeling and what went on, you know, not in that moment, blaming them and saying, well, I'm sorry, but if you hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have gotten so mad. That's not an apology. <laughs> like, don't do that. You know, um, you really have to come and want to repair. Yes. And then I think it's also everybody's right to decide if if they're okay with that repair. You know, they may need to say, you know what, I'm still mad about this. I need some time to get over this. Yes. Or you really messed up and you did some things that really wounded me and really hurt me. And these are the things I'm going to need you see to see you do these action items before we can be okay again. I will just say because sometimes that I'm sorry can be used a lot in unhealthy relationships of like, I'm so sorry, I love you so much, please take me back again. It's really important for each person to know again, what their limits are and how many times is that happening? Mm -hmm. Is the person you're dating or in a relationship with you know, constantly wounding you and then coming back and saying, Oh, I'm so sorry, I love you so much. You know, here's my excuse as to why I behaved badly, please take me back. That should not be a continual pattern in your relationship. Mm -hmm. If it is, that relationship is toxic and unhealthy and you need to figure out how to get out of there or what the next steps are. Yes. Um, and so there can be repair, um, but and, and repair is very important, but not just constantly using that repair, yes. constantly using that. I'm sorry. You know, you need to figure out what the problems that are leading to that conflict are and how to fix those problems. Yes, absolutely. Repair is not one-sided. If you find you are the one side that is repairing, that is not healthy, that is not balanced. Any conflict that exists at any point in time outside of abuse means that both partners did some role, took a role. And that's what one of the things the Gottmans were talking about today and is in their book, is that accepting the other person's perspective and being accountable to your own behaviors. So yes, so important to recognize. So this is a family life cycle podcast. So the natural movement, natural, I'm quoting natural, it doesn't have to be natural. There's lots of normals out there. But 
in this sense, in the family life cycle sense, we go from dating to marriage. How do you know, how do you determine when you are ready to take that step to say, this is who I want to commit to for life? Such a complicated and multifaceted answer to that. Um, So one, I would say that again, kind of speaking to that pressure that we were talking about in the beginning, not letting all of that societal pressure from people that were in other relationships with, so family, friends, not letting that force us into marriage too soon. You know, I think listening to our own instincts, hopefully we will feel that in the natural progression of our relationship. But I will speak to that, that, you know, dating someone for two weeks and then getting married probably would not work for most people. I know it can work for some people. Certainly those (laughs) stories are out there. You know, they were married, you know, two weeks later and then have been, you know, married for 65 years or something. Um, But taking that time to get to know someone through the seasons of life. And those are not my words, but words, you know, kind of um, given to me from um, a very wise clinical director. My other practice is you need to to know someone in all seasons of life. Mm -hmm. Um, So some people will say a year or more, because again, when you're first dating, you're in that infatuation stage and nothing that that person can do can be wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember just how grossly mushy my husband and I were kind of in the beginning (laughs) stages of our relationship. And I'm like, my family must have just been constantly gagging at us, you know, all these like (laughs) Facebook posts and roses and all these things because we were infatuated with each other. Those are, that's the beginning phase of love. But as you go through life and that infatuation fades, it doesn't mean that the love isn't there it looks different. And it kind of lays the foundation for commitment and trust and really being in that relationship, Mm -hmm. which is so much more rewarding than just that kind of like cheap thrill, that like initial fire. That honeymoon phase. That oxytocin. Yes. (laughs) Dream world. Yes. Yeah. All that's really great. But those relationships go through phases. And so taking time to know that person. And so a year is a good timeline, but whatever works best. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, have you gone through something challenging with this person? How do they respond? Have you had disagreements with this person? What do those disagreements look like? You know, can you feel safe with this person when you disagree? You know, and I don't want anyone to go through a tragedy, but how does this person that you're dating respond when there's a tragedy or when you're sick? Or when you're, you know, moody after work and you snap at them. So when you take that time to get to know a person, how they respond, then you can make a pretty informed decision of, okay, do I want to spend the rest of my life with this person? And even then, you know, as, as I think we know as two married people, marriages change. Things look different after you get married, after you have a couple kids. Like <laughs> our relationships are constantly evolving, mm-hmm. but the core values, the most important things about a person, you know, is that there because their body is going to change, their job's going to change. Again, their gonna, opinions can their change. Their opinions can change. Yes, you know, definitely have seen that too. And so, so much about them is going to change, but the core of who they are, their kindness, their compassion, their ability to forgive, to communicate, are the important things there? And does it seem like that is going to stick with that person and who they are in the long run? Yes, absolutely. There was a wise woman, not a therapist, who said to me a long time ago when I was first dating my husband, and she wanted to know if I was going to marry him because I met him and I was like, I'm going to marry this guy, which I never said. I mean, I never say outside of this one situation. But I did say that. I did feel really strongly about the connection I had with my husband. But she said, here's how you know. Can you accept if he never changes 
a single thing that you might consider a flaw in him, can you accept living with that for the rest of your life? And can you accept him as he changes if the things you like about him even change over the course of your life? And that really stuck with me because I am a super controlling critical person or can be, and I have to really watch that. And so can you accept your partner at any given moment? Because experience changes us and life changes us. And I guarantee the 80-year-old version of you is going to look so much different than the 20-year-old version of you. So knowing that there's a mass amount of change that both of you will experience, can you grow together through it? I just wanted to add that on to yes, your... Yes, that's so brilliant. Yes, I'm just over here nodding my head. That's so great and such good advice, you know. And it is. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to think about relationships, what you want, you know, as far as, you know, do I want to just be committed to this one person? Or And again, there's no, you know, we sit here as two, you know, married ladies, and there's no judgment for anybody else. But we, are, we kind of are speaking to, you know, a monogamous, like committed, you know, marital relationship. Sure. And so it is. If, if you've decided to marry someone, it's important that you are really honest with yourself and say, am I committed to this person? Mm -hmm. You know, with a caveat, of course, always being with myself and with clients of if there's abuse, that's a totally different story. But am I committed to who this Mm -hmm. person is, you know, because you get into that long term relationship into that marriage. And guess what? You hate the way that they do the dishes. And they leave their clothes on the floor all the time. I'm not throwing my husband underneath the bus, but I kind of am, you know. It might and, just be a male thing. You know, no, I'm just kidding, men. Our, I know some of you can do dishes. Yeah, yes. And I leave my makeup everywhere. Yes, or, me too. Um, you know, and again, speaking about changes, like our political opinions change and what we, what kind of parenting we do may change. And so am I ready to commit to this person? Mm -hmm. Good, bad, and ugly. There's a reason that in marriage vows, it says for better or worse. Yes. And so it's really making that commitment because um, again, there's a a great book that I like um, for anyone listening who kind of uh, believes in the Christian faith. It's a, it's a Christian book, just as a kind of a, a statement out there, but sacred marriage, it talks about that we were not, you know, made to go into relationships to make us happy mm-hmm. because your marriage is not always going to make you happy. No, your sure. long-term relationship <laughs> is not always going to make you happy. It's going to be hard and nitty gritty. It's going to require just an unending amount of compromise mm-hmm. and selflessness. You're going to have to give up what you want to do And then you're going to have kids and all of that is going to go out the window. (laughs) And so you have to be ready to say it's not just about me anymore, but it's about living and committing to life with this other person. And do I want to do that? Mm -hmm. And it's not about making other people happy or just not being lonely or just not being single. Like none of that is going to carry you through, you know, making your parents happy or that other person happy or just not being single anymore. That's not going to carry you through a marriage. Mm -hmm. You've got to really want it and then you've got to commit to keeping it good <laughs> yeah. and are trying to keep it good and working on it constantly and so now that everyone is like scared of marriage <laughs> and doesn't want that anymore you know because we've totally taken the romance out of it you know yes. but that relationships are hard mm-hmm. no matter what whether you're in a marriage or a friendship or with a family member in their very nature, relationships are going to be hard and they're not always going to be fun. (laughs) And so 
you know, just taking like demystifying and taking out kind of what the media has told us or everything else, like what a marriage is. Yeah. (laughs) Rom-coms like we love them, but they're so wrong. Like your marriage is not going to be Pride and Prejudice. Like I was very disappointed when I found that out. Like, you know, <laughs> that my husband isn't going to come walking through a misty meadow, like, to tell me that, you know, I'm the sun and the moon. Like, that's that's not real life. <laughs> Knowing all of that and saying, I commit to this other person. I love them. I value them. And I'm going to make this work because mm-hmm. I want to be with them. Yes. And I'm going to plug one more book on top of that because, well, one of the things is that we at Nick Finney Counseling Center is associated with St. Luke's, but we aren't a Christian counseling center specifically. And I know people, I've seen clients that get a little wary when somebody says Christian book, but I think all books have value. And even if you're not Christian, you could probably read that book and take what you need from it and leave the rest. Um, But I wanted to plug one book out there. That is Sue Johnson is my other couples guru. And she has a great book called Hold Me Tight, Seven Conversations for a Life time of love. And I love this book because something that's come to mind as April was talking about relationships and how hard they are and what we need to pay attention to is nurturing. How do we have a secure attachment? How do we know this person is safe? How do they nurture us at our hardest times? How do they nurture us when we're sick? How do they nurture us when we're not at our best? How do they nurture us when we're expressing a feeling that may be painful to them? And how do we nurture them? How do we have the basis of friendship and love and appreciation for each other? And so I love that book. So that's another book, not to throw books all over the place at you guys, but we do tend to do that as therapists. It's just, we love books, I think. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I think that pretty much covers everything I could think of in the dating world right now and the long-term relationship world. Anything you want to add, April? Any last takeaway thoughts? You know, just may the odds be ever in your favor (laughs) if you're trying to date right now. You know, that's, I just, good luck and Godspeed. And, you know, again, just being true to yourself, being honest, communication, those really are the foundation, you know, foundational skills, um, you know, for relationships and just good luck. And we wish you the best. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of NFCC's Guide Through the Seasons of Mental Wellness. Please let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and subscribe if you want to hear more of our content around managing mental health across the lifespan. If you would like to learn more about our work, events, and organization, please follow us on Instagram at Nick Finn Council or on Facebook at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center. NFCC is here because counseling matters. Special thanks to Jim Roman for composing our wonderful intro-outro music. Until next time, remember to make time for your mental health.